the following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. Great to be with you again, everybody. And to, today, I, I'm so honored to have the opportunity to speak to this man right here, former WWF Tag Team Champion and many other accolades throughout his career. He's been known as Shanghai Pierce. He's been known as Henry O'Goldwyn. I'm introducing right here, right now, the one and only incomparable Mark Canterbury. How are you, my friend? California. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing great, sir. And it's uh, great to uh, have the chance to meet you and have a chat with you. Um, we finally got it set up, didn't we? That's it, and and uh, you know what? Well, it, it was it was easy with you. It's been it's it's a difficult process. You know, people have lives; they're busy, and uh, to uh, to to get their their time really means a lot to me. So, thank you again. Um, first question, as per usual, when we start the show, is is before you got into the wrestling business, how did you become a fan, or or were you a fan of the wrestling business before you got involved? Oh my God. Uh... I was about four or five and my papa turned me on to wrestling here in the mountains of West Virginia. And I've always, it's always attracted me. I've always had some kind of feeling for it. And, uh, finally in, uh, 1989, I started with George South an Italian stallion trainer and started going, being an extra at WCW in Atlanta and dusty Rhodes and cowboy bill Watts liked my look and liked how I worked Eric Watts at the time. Yeah. And that threw me on the road and that's how it all started. <laughs> that's awesome, mate. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I noticed like, yes, you were tr trading under George South. Uh, please tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, in my research, it says that you, your first match that you ever competed in was the 15th of March, 1991 against Tim Parker for PWF in Tampa at the Sportatorium. Is that correct? Or is the internet lying to me? That's, I don't think that's right. That sounds familiar, but I don't think it's the first match. Okay. It happens. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, as, as you have mentioned, uh, you, you, you get the chance to work a little bit at WCW and then you get put on the road. Uh, I'd noticed your television debut uh, the 5th of November 91 uh, against PN News, uh, 2 minutes 16 seconds at the Georgia Mountain Center in Gainesville, Georgia. Um, yeah, so I mean, PNU is obviously a very, very big man as well. I've had him on the show, a uh, very nice man. Um, you know, how did you feel in those early days in WCW? Uh, you know, this is a pretty big opportunity for somebody at this stage in their career. Yeah, because I worked, uh, I think PN News was the first, maybe the first I worked for WCW. And I got to work with Ron Simmons back then. I was mean mark Cantor back then of course yeah elegante um johnny b bad so i got to work some with some people but just going there and being that atmosphere 
just makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And to know that you're going to be on TV with good people. And it was just a blast. I look forward to it. Yeah, that's great. You know, I mean, for somebody that had become a, a fan of professional wrestling at such a young age and and for the, all these years later, the dream's coming true. You're getting to be on on television in, in one of the biggest companies there ever was. So, I mean, that is something incredibly special. And I wanted to ask you about the first time you met a man by the name of Dennis Knight. I know uh, very soon into your time in WCW, Shanghai Pierce and Tex Slazenger would become a tag team. But when did you first meet this man? Uh, Gainesville, Georgia on a TV night. Uh, Barry Windham had come up and said, well, I think we found your partner. Uh, he'll be here, he's from Tampa. And they said his name is Dennis Knight. So when we hooked up that night, the first night, it was drinking and laughing like we had been friends for 30 years. So we knew we had something special going on. Our chemistry was was perfect, spot on. Still uh, is. That's fantastic to hear. I thought that was going to be uh, the answer there that you two just got, got along immediately. Um, and and I wanted to bring up the tag team debut in WCW, which is the 19th of October, 92. Shanghai Pierce and Tex Lasner defeat David Lynch and Rex Cooper uh, at the Center State Theater, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I wanted to know how the name Shanghai Pierce came about. I'm assuming this is something to do with Dusty Rhodes because I also read somewhere that um, he suggested that you wear a mask because he felt that um, your good looks would make you too likable for a heel tag team. Is that correct? <laughs> this this team has dusty fingerprints all over it. Um, he he got the idea. We were both big and sp- and, you know, I was a country boy, so they went with the Texas gimmick. <clears throat> and Tex was, uh, you know, a Florida boy. So we're both from the South. And, uh, but yeah, Dusty uh, got the idea from the old original gunfight at the OK Corral. There was uh, Shanghai Pierce was a cattle wrestler, a cattle, a big cattle man. And, uh, Tex Lazinger was uh, was a, like an outlaw in the movie, but that's how all that come about. So if you want to know where our characters come from, watch the original gunfight of the at the OK Corral. <laughs> I definitely will. I'm going to write that down to make sure I, I check that out. Uh, excellent stuff. Well, okay. So now we find out that this Dusty's fingerprints are all over it. Not to skim too far ahead uh, during your time in WCW, but just I just wanted to pick out some of these like highlight moments here. Starcade 1993 is a pretty big occasion. This is your first opportunity to be on one of the you know the flagship events of of the year. Uh, 27th of December 93, Cactus Jack and Max Payne uh, defeat yourself and Tex uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Independence Arena. Um, how was it working with a wild man like Cactus Jack? It's It's been awesome because I think that was maybe the first time I had worked, that we had tagged and worked with uh, him. But yeah, what a what a treat! What a day off with him, and uh, 
you know, I, I got to work with Cactus numerous times up in up north in WWF. Uh, somebody didn't show up, and I got thrown on the interview with him at uh, in Canada. So, uh, yeah, he was always a treat. And Max Payne was fun. We used to have, we all lived uh, in the same high rise in uh, Marietta when we were in WCW. Max Payne lived across from us, and yeah, we it was a it was a treat working with mankind. Yeah, awesome, mate. And um, the next question I had was kind of more of a general question, just to know, you know, how you felt about the company at the time. What did you like most about your time in WCW, and what didn't you like about your time in WCW? Uh, I liked uh, I liked the boys and the atmosphere. I just didn't like the way it was run. I felt like, you know. They were keeping to the older wrestlers and not pushing their newer guys, which, you know, me and Hunter and Dennis got let go at the same time when Flair come back and hired all of his buddies back right. and let the young guys. Go. But uh, I'm glad they did because I had much more of an opportunity up in WWF. And of course, Hunter did too. It was a good let go for him. Look where he's at. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky for some, <laughs> for sure. There, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's the only person I can fall into shit and come out smelling like roses. That's <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and the final match you had at WCW, twelfth uh, of November '94, Johnny B. Bad defeats you on Worldwide at the MGM Studios there in Orlando, Florida. Um, so I guess uh, the the exit from WCW was. They released you because Flair comes in, gets some of his buddies signed. What did they say to you? Did they say that we just didn't have anything, don't have anything for you? You there? Yes. Hello? Yes. Okay. Can you hear me? It, it yep. broke up. Uh, did you hear my question? No. no. Okay. That's fine. Um, uh, yeah. The question was, um, when you when you left WCW was uh, you know what was the reason that they gave you to just say that they didn't have anything for you or is it just this is just because of Ric Flair bringing in his friends? Yeah, I think it was politics, but you know I had fun while I was there. I made some good friends. Uh, you know Barry Windham, he took us under his wing. Me and Tex, we were had never been on that big a stage, so it was a little new to us. And me being a country boy from you know, West Virginia and uh, not being used to the limelight like that and being around a bunch of people. But man, it was after about the first month, we really settled down in WCW and, and just started having fun, you know, and, and listening and uh, being respectful. George South always taught me that, you know, listen to these older guys. And, and I got to hang out with Dusty and Dirty Dick Murdoch and Dirty Dick Later. I mean, just, it was a great time, a great learning experience. I learned a lot from them guys, and uh, I still carry that with me today. That's excellent. And uh, in my research, I found it really interesting that after this final match you had with Johnny B. Bad, 17 days later, 
Henry O'Goldwyn defeats John Paul and WWF superstars at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Firstly, how did the opportunity come about in such a quick amount of time to come on board, come up with this idea for a character, and you're already performing in the character 17 days after your last WCW match? Uh, Well, when I found out that we were getting let go, you know, uh, Tex went back to Tampa. I went back to living in Tennessee at the time. And uh, Kevin Nash and Harley Race spoke for me to Vince and J.J. Dillon. So in like just a couple of weeks after I got let go, I, I flew up to Connecticut and had him, you know, met with Vince and J.J. Dillon. We went and Vince's little secret or hideaway office and talked like two or three hours. And that's how the Henry Godwin gimmick was born. You know, he asked me what I used to do. I used to, I said, well, I worked, I drove a truck. I worked on the psych floor at a, at a hospital and I, I farmed, you know, we have hogs and cows. And so when I said farming is like a light bulb went off in Vince's head, he goes, ah, you got hogs. Because Vince is an old Ridge runner too. He's from down south. So um, that that's how it took off. Vince wanted my initials to be HOG. So he come up with Henry Godwin. And then he threw his, I, I can't remember, somebody in his family, like an uncle or a grandfather or, with the name Orpheus. So that's how I got Henry Orpheus Godwin. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it must have been interesting uh trying to wrestle wearing overalls. Um <laughs> did it take long for you to I guess um you know figure out how to get through a, a very strenuous kind of wrestling contest whilst wearing something like that? <laughs> Actually, it was it was comfortable. It wasn't tight, you know, it you felt free. <laughs> and, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. If I if I got used to wearing a mask for two years, I could get used to wearing overalls. I prefer the overalls a lot more. I can imagine, yeah. Um <laughs> so uh you know, you your debut on TV, uh you're you're portraying this character now. This must be, you know, so exciting. You everyone calls it the big time back then. Everyone always wanted to kind of work for the WWF. And uh, so this is a special a period of time in your career. And one of your first feuds is with Sid. And uh, the 24th of September, 95, uh, you work with Sid on In Your House 3 at the Saginaw Civic Center in Michigan. Um, what was it like working with Sid? Because we've had people on the show and we've had varying kind of responses. Some people he was very stiff with, other people he was cool with. Can you please tell me your experience with him? Uh, me and Sid always got along. We worked out together a lot. Uh, he could be stiff, got excited, and and uh, he was just big. I mean, good charisma, but... It was hard to work with Sid sometimes. <laughs> well, what would, be, what would make it hard when you're working with him? Uh, he was he he was stiff. Uh, just didn't have a lot of 
of moves to go to. I mean, it was it was pretty cut and dry with Sid, you know. Yeah, I guess you you're two big men as well, so it's uh, you know it can always be difficult uh, <laughs> in in a scenario like that. When when Undertaker worked on Raw when I first got up there, it was it was awesome to my first experience with Undertaker to have a hell of a match with him and to come back to the back and say, damn, I like, he told me, he said, damn, that was awesome. We got to work again. Oh, cool. And from then, you know, soon after that, the BSK started. So I started riding with Taker and Paul and uh, it was, it's been a great friendship. That's great, Brian. And I, and I am going to bring up BSK in a little bit. Looking forward to hearing about, about that stuff, of course. How could I? I'd be, I'd be silly if I didn't. <laughs> um, I have to bring this up as well, of course. Working with uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley in 95, the infamous hog pen match. Um, <clears throat> and I believe this may have been the show where Owen led the pigs into Vince's office and said, yep, no, bring them this way, just into this room here, pretending like he knew exactly, you know, what was going on. I love that. Were you aware that Owen did that with the pigs? I heard about it, yeah. So, and that's that's got Owen and Davy Boy's fingerprints all over that too. <laughs> I don't know how he got away with all of these things. I heard a story where he... Uh, he uh, duct tape uh, Vince's briefcase to a swinging ceiling fan uh, and it broke the ceiling fan and he got in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> Before 9-11, when we got on the planes, we had such a good time. You know, uh, I've seen Owen and Davey, before we take off, they'd go get on the stewardess mic and talk to the whole, I mean, just shit like that. I mean, can you imagine doing that now? You'd be... <laughs> They'd jump you and handcuff you and throw you in the jail. <laughs> it was a different time, that's for sure. <laughs> but yes, this hog pair match, uh, 17th of December, 95, Hillbilly Jim's a special referee. It's at Seasons Beatings for In Your House 5 in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, this is, everyone always talks about this one. And it's always, always interesting when they talk about when Triple H got... Um, in trouble for the, the curtain call. I always show footage of this, but this happened before the curtain call. I just want to let everyone know out there, the hog pen match wasn't, you know, him getting dumped in pig shit and mud isn't because of the curtain call. It hadn't even happened yet. But tell me a little bit about the experience doing this matchup. It must have been uh, quite interesting for you. It, it was. And, me, and you know, uh, the first big limelight match I'd been in and Hunter you know, and uh, that's another thing with, with Hunter. Me and him had such good chemistry, and we got along good. And, um, but, yeah, he was a trooper through all that. And, uh, you know, leading up to the Hawking match, he got slopped every night for about six months and everywhere, Europe, uh, over here. I mean, every night. So I got to take my hat off to him because – me and him had to wash our gear out every night and hang it up. And yeah. he had to get out of his hair and it was, you know, but the hog pin match, you know, Vince told us how long we had and, and me and Hunter come up with the whole thing. I think the office and the boys, some of the boys thought it was just going to be 
a big ha-ha match. But, you know, I guess it wasn't because our match was up that year for the part of the Slammy Awards, one of the top <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's got that's a that's at the top for me. That's you know, Hunter got 15 stitches that night. Yeah, uh, I always tease him. I say I've scarred you for life. And, <laughs> but when you come back from it, and Vince tells you that was a hell of a match, that was very satisfying for me and Hunter both. But we come up with the whole thing, we laid it out, and. Wasn't too bad for two young boys, you know, getting thrown out in the lion's den. Just, hey, do what, do what you want. So we did. <laughs> we pulled it off. Absolutely. It was probably the best match on the show, to be honest with you. I've, I've seen the pay-per-view back and it was, uh, crowd loved it. It was just the, the energy was there. You guys nailed it. So just wanted to put that out there as a fan that uh, I thought it was the best on the show. Yeah, well, I've heard that numerous, a lot of times from different people. People that were on the show. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so I, I found it awesome that, you know, it'd been a little while. You'd been singles. You had um, Hillbilly Jim as your, I guess, your manager. And then Dennis finally comes on board. What what took so long to get Dennis to come in as Phineas Scobwin? Uh, and, you know, were you excited now? Okay, you've got your brother side by side with you now in the Goblins. Uh, yeah, Tex had to straighten some stuff out, personal stuff. And, you know, I kept pushing for him for that year for him to, you know, come up, get his shit together and come up. And finally, he, he came up, had the dark match, and it wasn't long after that that he'd come aboard got in, initiated into the BSK one night. I still remember that. So it's all good. <laughs> That's excellent. Excellent. I can't wait to talk about BSK. Um, but again, uh, this was an interesting one again for me. Um, you have your WrestleMania debut, but in my research, it was on the free for all. Um, the Body Donners defeat the Goblins uh, at the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California for WrestleMania 12. Um, it's your first WrestleMania. It must have been excited to be, exciting to be on a show of that caliber. And I'm sure the payoff was pretty nice too. Um, do you know why this was on a free-for-all and wasn't on the actual main pay-per-view? I don't know, unless they were just trying to, you know, test the waters and feel it out. But... We had a hell of a match with them. I just seen a a clip from that match with uh, oh Chris Candido the other day on Instagram. So it was a uh, it was overwhelming too. It was a little nervous, you know. We were in WrestleMania 13, so a little bit more comfortable with that one. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really big. It's overwhelming, <laughs> but exciting. Absolutely. Um, okay. We got into it now. BSK. BSK, BSK all day. Um, I want to know how the bond between you all was created. How, it, how you know, who the first two were and how it suddenly slowly starts to become a group, you know, how does that, that group form? And, and, and what are your, your fondest memories of, of, of those days? Uh, 
Well, first of all, I want to say there was no racism there. We were a very diverse group, and we still yes. are. You know, whites, rednecks, hillbillies, blacks, Samoans, uh, Puerto Ricans. Yeah. I mean, Hawaiians, what, what, how far can you go? I mean, we were, you know, we were a tight knit group and, uh, you know, we're older now and we don't get to see each other that much, but I still like to think that we're pretty tight, you know, Godfather and Rakishi and Yoko, Miss Yoko bad. But, uh, the whole BSK started one night we'd went out and Yoko said, Bone Street crew in the house, bitches. That's that's what he said. So that's how it all started. And it was started out with myself, Yoko, Taker, Godfather. And then when Godfather came back and uh Batu, Rikishi, uh Paul Bear, uh Brian Adams was there some. And then when Tex came, you know, he fit right in with that group and and that we all got tattoos now and BSK tattoos. So it's all good. <laughs> that is excellent. And you mentioned something earlier about text getting initiated. So I have to ask, what what is a BSK initiation like? Oh my God. It was uh I forget what he had to do, but then we were some little town, we were at a little dive bar. They had a DJ, there wasn't very crowded. So the initiation was to start drinking Jack and just see where it goes from there. So we all felt bad the next morning felt and text felt rough, but uh, that was his initiation. And he passed the flying colors. <laughs> I thought Jack Daniels might have something to do with it, but that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a special moment in your career uh, the 19th of the 5th, 1996, the Goblins defeat the Body Donners at a house show at Madison Square Garden of all places to become the World Tag Team Champions. I know during this time period, sometimes they would have title changes on live events to, you know, keep people excited about getting a ticket to a house show. Um, but this must have been special to, to with your, you know, your brother right there, Becoming tag team champions. How did that feel for you? That was the warmest feeling I've ever had. Uh, I remember when that when that bell rang, I I got up and jumped on Hillbillies around his neck and just hugged him, and it was the best feeling. It, and I remember throwing, you know, I always wore the John Deere hat. I threw it out as far as I could. And about six months later, we were up there in New York doing an autograph session. And uh, <clears throat> this kid comes up and hand, he's probably 20 back then, hands me this John Deere hat and said, here's your hat you threw out at Madison Square Garden a few months ago. And it was mine because I had it marked. So I signed it. And I, I just, I love stories like that, you know, just <laughs> what an awesome thing. Yeah, how nice of him to bring it back to show you. That's really cool. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I watched this earlier tonight, um, and I could tell the joy uh, once that bell rang. I could tell, and it, and it hit me right here. I was so happy to see that um, all these years from being a fan, as you said, five years old, 
Madison Square Garden of all places as well. This is an incredible uh, moment in your life. Um, but moving on from there, uh, Hillbilly Jim is replaced by Uncle Cletus, a.k.a. Dirty White Boy, uh, during this time. W- what was the reason behind uh, dropping Hillbilly Jim and bringing someone else in? Because after we took the shirts off and doing the heel part, and I thought I thought Hillbilly's image was, you know, too good for for us. So that's why they sort of separated us because they couldn't turn Hillbilly Jim heel. Right. So they bought Uncle Cletus in and. You know, he worked a little bit with us. I don't know why it didn't last. You know, we dropped, we had the titles and uh, we dropped them to the Road Warriors that night. But yeah, uh, Dirty White Boy, awesome guy, good worker, smart. Just, I don't know, have to ask the office that question why they shit canned it. Right, fair enough. Now, I was just interested to know why, why the switch was 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 taking place, but it makes so much sense. Who Billy Jim is such a beloved character in the in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. Um, there is a second tag team title win. It's over the Headbangers uh, at In Your House eighteen. Bad Blood in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you get a second tag team title win here, but uh, I wanted to bring it to uh, April 1997. Uh, there's a rematch between the Goldwins and the Legion of Doom. And in my research, it says that you cracked your C7 vertebrae uh, when you fell on your head, literally after taking the Doomsday device. Uh, you were advised by doctors to rest for 15 weeks, but return the, returned to the ring in less than eight. Please tell me about what happened here. Uh, well, I didn't feel comfortable doing the move. Uh, Hawk wasn't in good shape that night. You know, he was struggling with some demons and I didn't stooge him out. I just went to the office and said, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Uh, can we do it where animal just goes down with me instead of the flip? Yeah. They said, well, no, the office wants you to do the flip. So Dennis spoke up. And said, well, I've taken this before. I'll do it. And the office said, no, they want Henry to take it. So sure enough, that night I broke my neck. Uh, I went to Binghamton, the hospital in Binghamton, and uh, had an MRI done right after that. But I walked to the back and, uh, you know, they told me how to crack C7 to go home, wait 15 weeks, I think. and. go have another MRI and if everything's healing, maybe I can come back soon. Well, in a little over six weeks, I went back on the road, uh, wrestled seven more weeks with a broken neck. Vince had a trainer with me that would work on me after the matches and it just wasn't doing any, anything. So after about seven weeks of that, I think, that's when we went to Southern Justice. We were doing the Southern Justice gimmick. And my last match, I think, was with Road Dog and Badass Billy Gunn. We were supposed to win the belts for a third time that night. And Vince said, well, why don't you go home, you know, get it checked, and uh, we'll go from there. So I had, I had spinal fusion done 
and that was that was about it. Right. So now I've uh, now I've got the story of uh, why Southern Justice that that run had had such a short. Uh, shelf life because uh, I watched all of this time period, uh, maybe only last year or something like that, and um, I thought it was really cool. I liked the the fresh coat of paint. I suppose you could you could say it was it was a different look for you guys. And you put with Jeff Jarrett and Tennessee Lee. Um, so before we, I guess we talk about you know your time away uh, from the ring after this. I just wanted to ask you, you know, how you felt about the the, the changing gimmick and and you know. Obviously, it would have been better if you you weren't hurt. But did you like the idea of changing into this new gimmick? I did, and I did, and I was comfortable with the with the good old boy Henry Godwin, Tex Lazinger, or, or uh, Phineas. But uh, it it was a nice little change, you know. We could be a little bit more aggressive and and look just look different like you say a new makeover but one thing i want to go back to the reason we didn't get to hold on to the belts as long as longer than we did is because vince russo thought the overalls and the hillbilly gimmick was wasn't good enough so that pissed me off they wanted to do, you know, change Spruce is helping with it. We all get bullies now. We're in the big cities wrestling that are trying to turn us into seriously. But it it would have been good because we had a lot of big plans for the Southern Justice, you know, gimmick. We had had cards made and I mean it was it was gonna do something, but uh, you know, it just got cut short, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And no, I did in my research again, see on the 28th of uh, September 98, uh, there was a tag title match on Roy, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, you'd beaten the New Age Outlaws by DQ. Uh, did did anything happen in this match to make it cut short at three minutes long? Uh, or is was that just what the plan was? I think it was, as far as I can remember, I think it's just part of the plan. Okay. Cool. I was just wondering if, like, there was some sort of, uh, you know, nagging issue, and you had to go home early or something like that. Um, so, okay, fair enough. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, after this, okay, um, you go home to see what you can do to, to sort the injury out. Is, is this what happens during your time away from the business? And is there a time where they let you go? Please uh, indulge me. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess after I had my surgery, I was, you know, doing the rehab stuff and just trying to get stronger where they, Bruce Pritchard had called and said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to let you go at this time. And, uh, you know, see how things go and get back with us so they paid me they honored my contract for a year you know set at home trying to get better uh then i lost my son in 2003 and uh that sort of threw me into a tailspin you know i wasn't uh wasn't in good shape 
mentally or physically. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a rough time. But, you know, I eventually went back in 06, talked to Vince and Stephanie too, and went back in 06 for just a little spell. I say, I'm sorry uh, to hear about that. I actually wasn't aware about that. So I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, I was going to bring up 2006 because I did find it quite interesting that, you know, Jesus was 98 the last time you were there. And I remember reading about this at the time uh, when I was, you know, geez, you know, I was, I think I was still mate, 19, 20 years old at that point. But uh, <laughs> uh, September 2006, um, I'm sorry, I'm wrong here. Um, there was a match, sorry, in March of 2006 in Ohio Valley Wrestling. It says that Henry O. Goldwyn defeats Chuckles the Clown at the Davis Arena in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this is from what my research, the first match he had since 1998. Uh, and then in September 2006, he wrestled several tryout matches with the WWE. Um, so, you know, at this point, you know, it had been quite some time. Um, how did you feel getting back out there after all this time? And how was the neck feeling? The neck felt pretty good. Uh, you know, still at this time, I wasn't in a good place. And, you know, I, I felt uh, they threw Terry Gordy's son in as my partner. And it just just wasn't there. You know, we were trying to do the Godwin thing again. and. You know, Phineas wasn't around and my mind wasn't in a, my, I just wasn't into the wrestling then. I was still trying to cope with the neck and being let go and losing my son and just all the above, you know, so it just didn't work out. I understand. Um, how did you feel uh, some of those dark matches were when you, uh, you wrestled uh, Bull Buchanan uh, at one stage? uh on in columbus uh georgia also eric perez in atlanta georgia how did those matches go uh despite how you were feeling and, and maybe not feeling into it they actually went pretty well you know i started getting my win back and getting in pretty good shape but i don't know something was missing it just just wasn't the same did you feel maybe you feel like it wasn't the same because uh, Phineas wasn't with you, or was it just? Yeah, I think that was it, and just all that I was going through, you know, with my loss, and I lost my dad uh, two months after I lost my son, so it was like a double slap in the face to me. Right, I understand. That is tough. That's tough for anyone. Um, as the years went by, you know. What would you attribute yourself being able to get yourself out of that uh, and how you were feeling? Uh, I don't know. It, it, was a, it was a long battle, but uh, just surrounding yourself with good people, you know, uh, helps a lot. Family and just, I guess, time healing, you know. Right. And um, they did sign you to a contract. Uh, and you, you, as you mentioned before, you, you worked with Ray Gordy a little bit in Deep South and also in Massachusetts and New York against Dave Taylor and William Regal. 
and a dark match on SmackDown against Juice and Domino. How was it working with with Taylor and Regal? Everyone seems to really um, sing their praises on the show. Oh, yeah. I love Steve. You know, we go all the way back to WCW days, and him and his family lived right below us in the high rise. Uh, there was a lot of – there was a few wrestlers there. Uh, there was a brave player there in the penthouse community and, and Regal used to laugh at his kids when they were little just talking they were just fun like at the pool hanging out with Regal and his family at the pool and it was always me and Tex you know we were we were into uh, our wrestling so we weren't dating or nothing it was just party and learn how to wrestle <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so uh, May 19th, 2007, uh, the Wrestling Observer reported that you had been released from your developmental contract. Um, did Was it was the reason for this? They just said, it, we don't think that the team with Ray's working out, or did you say, I think I'm done? Yeah, it was up to me. And I, I just bowed out. You know, it just wasn't the same to me. There was something missing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair and enough. I will, tell you, I will tell you, though, this past Survivor Series, when we did The Undertaker's Farewell, that made up for all that time. That yeah. Was, you know, if I never get inducted into the Hall of Fame, that's fine because that night was really special. That was. To me, it was just as good as being inducted into the Hall of Fame. BSK got to be together after 20-some years. I've seen some of the guys here and there since then, but we've never all been together in one room in, like, 22 years. Oh, my gosh. So that night at the, that night at the hotel, we made up for it. We made up for 20 years. <laughs> Godfather and Undertaker had to put me and Phineas to bed. So <laughs> things never change. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to bring up the reunion because it is a special thing. And thank you for sharing. That's a, it's great to know that you guys all got on the source and and got to reunite. That's such a nice thing uh, to have had happen. And obviously, Undertaker's meant a lot to a whole bunch of people over the years. Do you have any stories you could bring up about, you know, your friendship with Taker? Uh, yeah, we've got a great friendship and a lot, a lot of stuff I can't tell you about. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, was always there. he was always there for me and everybody else. And, and that was the, the good thing about our group. It was like, you know, we, we, tried to talk about our gimmicks and, uh, and direction they should go. And, and that was the same way with the click. You know, we didn't have this big war with Sean and Kevin and Hunter and everybody. It was just, that's who they hung out with most of the time. And they pushed each other and, and the BSKs, we hung out together and we pushed each other in our, in our own way. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so only a couple more questions before I get to my final segment of the show, uh, Mark. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems between uh, 2007 and 2021, 
You've had about 12 matches over the years. Uh, you worked with Demolition and reunited with Dennis uh, for GLCW in Wisconsin. Uh, and there's also an occasion, please tell me if I'm wrong again, 12, 12 or no, sorry, maybe 19, 20 days ago, uh, 17th of the 7th, uh, you wrestle a guy called Chase Gold for International Wrestling Cartel in Elizabeth, Pennsylvania. So is it true that you've only, you've actually wrestled within the last month? Yeah. And I wrestled again September 4th up there. <laughs> That's awesome, mate. That's great. How, how does it feel at this time, you know, in your life to, to get back in the ring and do a little bit here and there? Well, you know, I'm old and beat up, but I can still cut the mustard a little bit when I have to. Uh, but I'm looking forward. I, this is a tag match coming up in uh, Elizabeth, PA, September 4th. And uh, I can't tell who my surprise partner is going to be, but uh, Derek Dillinger and Chase Gold is going to find out. <laughs> well, they might be in for it. <laughs> Fonzie, you know Fonzarelli. He was uh, Fonzie was at the seventeenth show with me. He was a special guest referee. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> That's fun that you're still getting out there and doing it. Um, and there's there's going to be a lot of Henry O. Godwin fans out there wanting to know. Aside from that, what else are you up to these days? And if there's anything that you'd like to plug for them. Ah, uh, just living here in the mountains. I'll just give you a little picture off my front porch. Oh, that's a dream. Raising hogs. <laughs> Everybody thought it was just a gimmick, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. In the country living, man. I mean, that, the way you're living right there, that to me is the dream place to live in. I, you know, I want a bit of space one day. I'm living in a bloody unit complex over here in Perth. So one day, hopefully I'll have, uh, I haven't been over in a long, long time. No, uh, not since I was about five years old. Well, if you ever get back over here, you gotta look me up, man. I'll take care of you out here. <laughs> that will be that will be a joy, my friend. Uh, that'll be awesome. We'll, we'll stay in touch for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Mark, this brings us to our final segment of the show. It's called Five Second Frenzy. You have five seconds to answer each question. If you don't make the five seconds, it's okay. It's just quick fire questions with quick fire answers. I think you'll be fine. Um, just to learn a little bit more about some things that you like in life. Uh, so the first question is, you know, who is your favorite wrestler? Oh, God. Uh, Dusty was always a big, big for me. Excellent choice. Uh, the next one is, who was your favorite opponent or opponents over the years? I enjoyed working with Hunter. Uh, like I say, you know, I worked with Undertaker a couple times and did the Survivor Series uh, with him 25 years ago when he wore the Phantom of the Opera mask. Right. People don't realize that whole group on his team was all BSK. <laughs> 
Savio, me, Fatu, and Taker. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, if you could pick a match, one match, what's your favorite match to think about from your time in the wrestling business? Triple H Hall Grand Match. Excellent choice. Uh, moving away from wrestling now, Mark, your favorite book? Uh, Sammy the Bull Garano's The Underboss. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, favorite uh, TV show? Uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, another good choice. I'm loving it. <laughs> uh, favorite film? Uh, Lawless and Tombstone. Excellent. Very good. Uh, moving away from TV and film, your favorite musical artist or, or band? Oh, I'll go with Led Zeppelin. Nice. Excellent. Well, I think you and I would get along quite well over uh, a few drinks. Uh, Mark, what would you be? What would you say would be your favorite food? Uh, pork. <laughs> Why am I not Pizza. surprised? <laughs> yeah, pizza's a very popular answer on the show. I must admit. Um, from your time on the road, what would you say is your favorite place to eat on the road? Oh, uh, we ate so many. Uh, Michael's Steakhouse in New York City, me and Tex and Undertaker. Uh, the best sushi I ever had was in South Africa. Really? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Uh, um, there's only three more to go in Five Second Frenzy, Mark. Your favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, I'm going to say rum now. I, li I like Jack still, but that's what the boys usually. I save that the Jack days with, with the boys, BSK. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the second last one, Mark, is I guess the naughtiest one of a five-second frenzy. You look at a lady, you know, what's your favorite attribute? What would you say is your favorite female body part to, to look at it when you look at a nice-looking lady? Ah. Uh smile and the rear end <laughs> excellent choices uh one very meaningful and one obviously we can't help that one uh and of course <laughs> the uh the final one on the show here mark is your favorite curse word oh my god i don't know we used to say crazy stuff we used to say shite a lot <laughs> oh shite uh, I don't know fuck's a good throw around word it's aggressive it's to the point <laughs> <laughs> no, very good selection that's probably the, the if this was family feud this would be the number one answer would be fuck for sure so uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean no answer there would <laughs> <laughs> well Mark Canterbury Henry O'Goblin, 
Shanghai Pierce, it has been an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to speak with you today. My face is hurting and it hasn't even been an hour. And you know, you've already you've already hurt my face from laughter. So I I just want to thank you again and, and just want to say, you know. Again, as I, I say this quite a lot on the show, I'm from Perth, Western Australia. It's the most isolated city in the world. So I think when you have that far of a reach to have fans all the way over here, it really does mean something. And I hope that you're just so proud of everything that you accomplished in the business because you and your good friend, Dennis, got to be tag team champions in the biggest wrestling company in the world when it was at its most popular. That totally means so much as far as I'm concerned. So you should be so proud, sir. I am proud of them. And, and just stuff like this, these podcasts I do and talking about wrestling and my career with Dennis and, and the BSK and all the boys that I was associated with, I'm going to hold that right here from now on. I, you know, that's all we got now is our memories. So, but I'm going to do that. And, and one more thing I want to go back to just in case Dennis hears any of this. Sure. Dusty put the mask on me because he said I had too much of a baby face, but he said Dennis was ugly enough to pull it off. <laughs> so what, what, a night. <laughs> what a night to end it on. Thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate your time on the show again, sir. Hey, keep in touch with me. I will. Once all this pandemic and all this craziness is over, I plan to make a have a big trip around the US so I can meet all these great people that I've interviewed. Uh, I think it'll be a blast. All right, buddy. Well, thank you, sir. It. I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone out there, for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California and Fury, with my new friend and the greatest hog farmer in the world today, the one and only Mark Canterbury, and we will see you next time. Thank you.